Welcome to Beer Me. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every episode, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. From brewers to importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Welcome back to the show. I am very excited to welcome back Julia Hers. She is the executive director of the American Homebrewers Association. And she has been on the show before uh, a couple times now. And I'm always excited to have her back to discuss anything and everything beer wise or otherwise. So Julia, thank you so much for joining the show. Sarah, right back. Thank you to you and hello to your listeners. So I want to kick it off here with talking about you. Um, if for the listeners who haven't heard previous shows, could you give a little bit of background information on kind of what your journey's been like and how you've come to be in this really exciting role? Sure. And as a home brewer, first and foremost, that's kind of where it all starts is my journey in beer. Uh, in my young 20s, I was very excited to start home brewing and have been doing that ever since. Uh, and I've worked at the national organization on behalf of the majority of breweries called the Brewers Association for much of my professional career. And being executive director of the American Home Brewers Association, it really fits. Um, it's back to the belief um, of this wonderful hobby. It's fun and easy and accessible and can get as advanced or stay as simple as you want. And my journey has always been throughout the years, no matter enjoying, you know, helping fuel and, and create interest in small and independent craft brewers and their beers and, and get that like full flavored beer movement on the map. Um, always behind the scenes, I've been home brewing, beer judging, uh, and really focused on beer appreciation because it's very rewarding to me personally. And so that's kind of the anchor of my my whole tie to all this is, is home brewing. Nice. And as far as, um, you know, exactly kind of, I mean, I'm not trying to get into like your day to day, but, you know, what are some big pillars that you focus on uh, at the American Homebrewer Association? Sure. Really big picture. Um, helping homebrewers make the best beer in the world. Our resources through Zymergy Magazine, if you've ever seen that, published since 1978. And also homebrewersassociation.org, which is kind of the hub for all things homebrewing. We really have all the resources to help you make the best beer um, to start your journey and or to advance your journey. And so I think some of the education um, piece is, is, is one of our main pillars. Uh, and then just also, you know, inviting everyone to the to the homebrew party, uh, ensuring that all walks of life feel that the hobby is accessible um, and know what resources are available to them. Uh, we also have an online homebrewers forum. It's free. You don't even have to be a member of the American Homebrewers Association to be a part of the AHA forum. And you can toss out any question of I'm brewing on a Sunday and I ran out of these hops. What do I do to replace them with this? to, hey, my beer fermented this temperature and it's stalled, what do I do? And so I think that community is a second piece and a second pillar. And then kind of third is, you know, diversifying um, uh, the mindset of what homebrewing brings to you and, and the all, all the ways that you can enjoy it. We publish a lot of recipes on not just brewing beer, but brewing cider, brewing mead, 
brewing kombucha, um, DIY home fermentation, cheese. Uh, you know, we've got recipes in many, many of our issues that take you with the equipment that you have to brew beer to kind of that beyond level of, hey, uh, there's a lot more available to me in my home brewery, my house, if I want to go there and dabble beyond just the classic beer styles. Nice. We've had a handful of episodes where we promote and encourage people to get excited about home brewing. And I mean, the biggest takeaway is how easy it is to get started and how much support there is out there, not only from the Homebrewers Association, but also from local chapters and homebrewing clubs. Um, there's a lot of really great, really great resources out there. And I think one really big part of that is the homebrew conference that happens every year. And the homebrew, homebrew conference for you all that is, that is put on by the American Homebrewers Association is going to be this coming June in San Diego, correct? Correct. Absolutely correct. Um, yeah, June 22nd to 24th. Please come join us at HomebrewCon. Uh, fermentation vacation is headed your way. Whether <laughs> you, you want it as a vacation because you're into beer and or you could certainly write it off as a work trip. It classifies and fires on so many levels of advanced education. And if you look at our 30 plus um, sessions for educational sessions at HomebrewCon, you're going to see one of the more advanced technical brewing um, gatherings on the planet, whether you're talking a pro brewer conference or a, a home hobby conference. And yeah, we've got a lot in the mix, super excited. Also tied to that is the National Homebrew Competition. So on Saturday night of HomebrewCon in June, we'll be announcing the award winners of uh, several thousand entries of the world's largest homebrew competition. Uh, people get to taste the uh, entries at the knockout party, some of those entries. And we will have the one of the best um, all-star mixes of beer educators from all around the world in San Diego in June for HomebrewCon. That's amazing. How did uh how did this conference get started? Like, what is a little bit of the backstory on it? This conference started actually way back in the eighties, and it was um what uh, kind of uh, grew from us creating the Great American Beer Festival. So homebrewers were gathering. The American Homebrewers Association was started in nineteen seventy eight. Uh, we were gathering and tied to the annual gathering for homebrewers, we wanted a competition. So lo and behold, the Great American Beer Festival started from there. And then the actual homebrewing conference kind of spun off. It's had different names over the year years, but Homebrew Con, now 45 years strong, believe it or not, um, it's, it's still, it, it is still the most robust homebrew gathering um, tied to the largest homebrew competition anywhere. And so it's got, you know, four plus decades of history. It's been well known. Um, many people in beer and in home brewing uh, have worked their way through the conference. And many of our attendees uh, come year after year again and again. So, yeah, quite an established history and one that every year has new evolutions based on the environment and based on the marketplace. And we've got some of those fun new evolutions happening at San Diego HomebrewCon this year, too. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, this coming year, what is, you know, maybe something exciting or different that you're that you're really jazzed about? Um, I would say we do have the advanced talks um, beyond just some of the, you know, wild fermentation, um, your, your classic talks that are covering hops, right? 
Um, Homebrewers are on the innovative cutting edge. You're going to learn more about terpenes probably than you thought you would or would most anywhere else. And then on top of that, we've got a, a session on how to make your own hot sauce. We've got two sessions on, on uh, mead making. Ken Schramm, the uh, preeminent, wrote the book, Classic Mead Maker, is uh, presenting um, all, all the players are coming in. Um, Gordon Strong, who created in, in the latest iteration and evolved the Beer Judge Certification Program style guidelines, um, will be presenting. So I don't know. It's kind of a list of who's who. And I would say that uh, New Evolution includes, um, besides just the fermentation vacation spin, You've got a uh, session starting at 10 a.m. You've got a lazy river on site at the town and country where the conference is. I think people will be weaving in and out of sessions while their bathing suits are drying off and they, you know, their hair's kind of just combed from hopefully getting a little little wet outside and getting a little <laughs> exercise too. So I, I like the notion of that. We also have new and industry coalition meeting where we're gathering if somebody is um, earning their uh, part of their living off of home brewing. Mm -hmm. uh, as a business, we're gathering those stakeholders and talking about the future of the hobby. Uh, the hobby definitely has gone through evolutions. COVID affected businesses, not just breweries and restaurants and our personal jobs and the like, but also the homebrew shops. So we're gathering them together. We have an uh, homebrew club officer boot camp, which is a brand new gathering, bringing together homebrew club leaders and helping them learn from each other and share each other's learnings and successes. Uh, so those are two really fun new things. And then people can test. Um, beer Judge Certification Program is the Beer Judge um, Program, as it, as it is named. And if you want to sit for the cider exam, the beer exam, the mead exam to become a beer judge, all of those exams are happening on site during the week during HomebrewCon. Wow. I feel like also it's a really fitting location because homebrew and homebrew shops have such a rich history, especially in San Diego. So you've got some of the more um, early established homebrew shops right there. Um, and I think it'll give people an opportunity to really explore that area and try some really great beers. Absolutely. There's going to be a whole schedule of week events for offsite. Um, the breweries in San Diego area are, are pulling out the red carpet for homebrewers to help them feel welcome. And it is just going to be kind of a, a, a pick your, pick your, your path and go forth on site and off site. And so, yeah, it's going to kind of be um, taking over a little bit of the town in terms of the brewing community. And I'm super excited about that as well. Nice. Yeah. Uh, about two episodes ago, uh, I had the great opportunity to have Michelle wonder on the show and interview her um, and she had talked about some of her work in trying to make the homebrew world more and more accessible. Uh, and I feel like, especially also at Craft Brewers Conference, there's been a lot of work and attention in making the space more accessible to everybody and, and really welcoming. Uh, what are some things this year that are that are going to be focused on, you know, encouraging everybody to feel really welcome? So great question. And I tend to get asked it a lot. It's definitely one of the bigger ones, as I mentioned earlier, that, you know, inviting all walks of life to the homebrew party. And predominantly, if you look at our 36,000 members, um, which definitely skew 90% uh, you know, plus to uh, to cis white males in a, in a certain age group. Um, the point is, is that that's not all there is out there. 
And I think, um, frankly, I was just with Michelle this past weekend in Seattle judging the national homebrew competition. And when I looked around the, the the room of judges, there were there were more walks of life than I normally would see. I think homebrewing, just like the rest of our culture, is evolving and looking to, based on our elected membership that um, help advise me on our governing committee um, and the homebrew club officers that are really kind of, you mentioned that local chapter, they're, you know, they're local clubs, um, 2000 plus in the United States. And one of the bigger questions they're asking me is, how do we recruit? How do we get better at inviting, you know, younger people? That's a skew, right? Uh, more, more women-identified individuals and the like. Some of Michelle's work, which is exciting to highlight, because she's actually giving a session at HomebrewCon on her work. Um, and if you listen to Sarah's episode, and she'll talk about Michelle will about their survey. Um, so they put a first-time survey out to. Um, men and women, uh, mostly women, entered it uh, or filled it out and I'm waiting for the results now, um, asking them about their hesitancy or bullishness on feeling comfortable or not in judging beer and entering homebrew competitions. And I think it's a really, um, it's going to be um, some groundbreaking conversation from the results and responses that she gets. And I'm hoping she does it every year. So we see um, a body of work that helps us learn more about why the women, at least that do respond to a survey like that, and men are saying why they might be reticent or why they do feel fully comfortable. And then we can take those learnings and continue to improve from there. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and she, it was a really wonderful conversation. She's doing a lot of really important work. And, you know, we had dive dove into the conversation a little bit about how it's just in the, in the small sliver of having women in that space more. Um, we had talked about having more women enter in homebrew competitions specifically. And, you know, she had said that the conversations that she had had were similar to, you know, women applying for jobs. You know, there's that old adage that like, if a woman is less than 85% or feels she's less than 85% qualified, she won't apply for a job while a man who feels, you know, he's 40% qualified will apply for a job. And she's like, you know, it's, it almost feels like a very similar mindset to that where, you know, there's, there's like a little bit, um, a lack of confidence. And so basically, you know, trying to do what she can to help that barrier, because I mean, uh, just in, in my brief experience with homebrewing, um, you know, I had the privilege to dip my toes in the, in the homebrew world with the DC chapter. Um, and the DC homebrew chapter is particularly awesome. I think very, I'm a little biased, but I think it's particularly awesome. And, there are a lot of women in leadership roles in that chapter. There are a lot of women participating in that chapter. There are a lot of women making some really beautiful beers in that chapter. So I, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of really great opportunity to kind of, you know, continue to, to pull up more seats to the table. Um, and I'm really excited that that's such a priority. Yeah, absolutely. And most homebrewers don't ever want to go pro, by the way. Um, yeah. But if you're going to use the um, the environment that's allowing us to speak more openly about wanting to diversify so many things, including beverage alcohol, um, I would say that homebrewing in your home um, really has no barriers. Anyone can say, it's my home, I'm going to homebrew. <laughs> and so I think um, one way to diversify who brews in the professional brew house is to cultivate and nurture more homebrewers. 
because then that walk of life, that individual already has some brewing experience and more advanced knowledge um, than somebody walking in to learn how to be a beginning brewer on their own at brewery A, B, or C. So I really do think that homebrewing has helped establish the entire craft beer movement. Uh, before U.S. craft beer was big, homebrewing was, was big. And that's how a lot of today's pioneer um, pro brewers have really taken off. And the point of it is, is that now with craft beer kind of three or four point or 5.0 going into more of a mature space uh, many decades in, um, those that work in beer that want to advance, they should have brewing chops. And the easiest, most comfortable, lowest barrier way to do that is to brew at home. Yeah, 100%. So while we're talking a little bit about uh, homebrew evolution. Uh, prior to this interview, you had mentioned uh, that there are some new developments uh, in equipment and style evolution that are really making the homebrew world, uh, you know, disrupting it a little bit. Um, what are some of those examples? If you go into any of the 600 plus homebrew shops that we have listed on homebrewersassociation.org, um, a free uh, list and database, uh, you're going to see, and there's incredible online shops as well, uh, the beginner kits. And these kits um, are not necessarily game changers in what you're asking about um, in terms of newer innovations, but they are packaging equipment that's just kind of plug and play, brew in a box. You want to brew, you're going to get your homebrew kit day one. And then the next morning when you wake up to brew, you're going to have successfully brewed with everything they send you in that kit. And those are usually less than $100 and with quality ingredients inside those kits, quality grains that have often maybe already been pre-crushed for you and or quality extract, which is kind of concentrated sugar water that comes from malted barley that's ready to be diluted by you as the brewer. And then the yeast that you would have in your kit that, that's waiting for your yeast to be pitched and then ferment in whatever fermentation vessel that you were sent in that beginner kit. Beyond that, um, there's a lot more accessibility to everything like homebrewers are canning nowadays, believe it or not. Canning has become accessible. I'm seeing many more of those at competitions and many more of those serve to me at clubs. Um, and then the equipment itself, there's kind of three areas that people tend in the home to homebrew. They homebrew on their stovetop, right? On top of your stove, whether it's a gas burner or electric, doesn't matter. People also sometimes homebrew on their patio. Um, that might be a uh, more advanced version if you have bigger fermentation vessels, um, you have access to say those, um, uh, those propane burners, and so on the patio, you can get a little messier and you're outside. And then now um, advancement is also on the electric side, just like we have electric vehicles disrupting cars, um, electric brew kettle systems um, are now on the homebrew hoppiest level. People are brewing 10 and five gallon batches on these electric systems. And they are, um, you know, not tens of thousands of dollars. You can often get many of them for less than a thousand or, or some of those boil kettles and, and mash tons combined, um, less than $500. So it's one unit. It's oh. your mash ton where you will soak all of your grains. Then that same vessel becomes your boil kettle. 
and you plug it into a 110 volt standard outlet, or there's um, many electric systems that are more robust and you plug them into your 220 volt. If for example, you know, you are charging your electric vehicle at home in that same 220 volt. So brew in one systems and electric systems, total game changer. The cost has come down dramatically. They're reliable, um, they're serviceable, and they are, they are, controlled fermentation temperatures. They talk to the phone, you know, the app on your phone. You can literally do a brew day. I've done brew days via my phone. I've also done Whoa. many brew days of just manually doing it and you don't dial it in. Um, and then another system that is kind of a game changer is the brew in the bag. So when you home brew, you're going to have a three hour brew day, give or take. Um, and that three hour brew day, the house is going to smell great. Your glasses might even fog up. Right. People are going to come over from down the street if your window or door is open and say, wow, what you doing? It smells so good. <laughs> and on your kettle, you want to mash your grains or dilute your extract first. And then if you're adding steeping grains or working with grains that you're going to convert called an all grain batch of beer, you um, don't have to have two vessels where you have the vessel that you steep your grains in and then a separate vessel where you boil in. Those are called like basically a three vessel system, one for your grains, one for your boil, one for your hot water on the side. Nowadays, you can do stovetop or patio brewing with one system, one kettle. And that kettle, if you put a bag into it, becomes your mash tun. And then when you're ready to go from mashing your grains, steeping them to dilute the sugars and extract those sugars, and you then now need to boil them and add your hops, you're going to just remove the grains from the bag. And then that same vessel is your boil kettle. So big game changer was just the simple addition, literally of a mesh bag. Wow. My mind is completely blown. Cause like, I'm thinking back on, on many longer, messier brew days and like, what a, what a simple concept. And yeah, it, it's complete yeah. game changer. <laughs> it is. And Sarah, we have on homebrewersassociation.org, we have a series of five videos that focus on brewing a bag. You could literally use those as you brew um, throughout the day. Uh, they're quick hit. We have all the resources. We recommend starting with like an easy amber ale or something like that. We have everything for you um, information wise and then steer you to where you can get your equipment and ingredients. And I definitely think brewing a bag is a super fun way to also do brewing. Um, many people just start out doing extract brewing from a prepackaged kit. And then when you want to start enhancing by adding grains, brewing a bag is a great next step. And chances are you probably have most of the, the equipment you already need in your house. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, I'm trying to like refocus now because my mind is just so, my mind is just so blown on I that I love one. it. Well, and you mentioned <laughs> when you dabbled in home brewing and I feel like, you know, Sarah, you're a perfect candidate one day, you know, any hobby we do, whether it's fly fishing, soap making, home brewing, you know, baking, we're going to go through phases, mm -hmm. uh, but getting ourselves either with people that are doing it, that helps up our game and, and kind of get us more excited and then getting that regular rhythm, you know? So if you want to be a home brewer, what's that to you? Do you want to um, try and brew four times a year? Do you want to brew six times a year? Do you want to brew once a month? Do you want to brew once a week? Um, when we send you Zymergy magazine, you'll get that every other month and your brain's going to go, okay, 
I'm seeing the latest and greatest from, uh, you know, this amazing publication inspiring me on what so many homebrewers are doing out there and, and where beer is going and, and beverage fermentation. Um, so I think just getting your mind in the, in the mindset that once a homebrewer, always a homebrewer, so open the door. And then once you open the door, if you kind of step through the door and haven't stepped back, back through it in a while, it doesn't mean at any time or any day or any month, you can't just be like, you know what, I'm going to rally and I'm going to set aside a day for brewing. And once you do that, hopefully you, you end up doing that even more. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I was actually curious, um, you know, you're really far more dialed in on, you know, what local clubs are doing and, and what people are excited about. Are there particular styles that you're seeing, um, you know, that are becoming more popular to brew or homebrewers are, are getting really excited to tackle more and more? Yeah, and it is interesting running the National Homebrew Competition. Um, in, it's the world's largest homebrew competition. We see trends. And last year in 2022, in looking at the top entered category for the NHC, um, it wasn't American IPA, right? Uh, it wasn't American Pale Ale. It was Pilsners, right? Pilsners were top. And so hoppy lagers, because homebrewers are getting more um, ability to ferment at cold temperatures, because if you're making a pilsner, which is a lager, the yeast likes to ferment colder. Definitely that trend is um, is coming on full strong. We're also seeing a lot of lager experimentations and I'm seeing a, a big, I think, increase in cold IPAs. Um, this is, you know, American um, style beer, India Pale Ale, traditionally fermented as an ale. Um, but some new twists and using lager yeast, so cold fermentation for that IPA. Um, I'm not just seeing that more at craft brewers on the tap room, you know, and on their menu, but I'm definitely seeing more and more brewers experiment with that style and brew that style. Nice. I feel like both of both of those venue, both of those paths are 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 challenging, um, and I think that's really exciting that people are you know, really embracing that kind of challenge. I mean, just like when homebrew went through the phase where everybody wanted to brew a sour beer and, you know, that kind of brewing presents a whole other slew of challenges. So I feel like it's almost that uh, homebrewer attitude where it's like the bigger the challenge, the more they want to tackle it kind of, kind of mindset. Yeah. And I think that adds to maybe my third style that I, I would share um, and re it reminds me of kind of the space I'm going into, you know, COVID and being at home and the pandemic really taught us all to pay attention to more of what's around us. So I think I'm just anecdotally seeing foraging um, become more robust. When I say foraging, I mean mm -hmm. um, harvesting uh, fruits, vegetables, um, you know, wild uh, things that are going out in the wild. And then I'm seeing a lot more of those end up in beers, in, in homebrewers beers. So I would say another trend is, is really just experimentation with things that we can each harvest personally or grow ourselves and then having that work its way into our beers. I'll also say another trend, which isn't really style based, but it's approach based. Um, one gallon. Uh, home brewing. So you okay. can make the smallest of small batches. I've done all grain, one gallon beers, and then you can ferment lagers. Lagers need colder temperature. A one gallon little kind of carboy or I think a big mason jar, those can fit in your fridge. So you can lager. Anyone that wants to homebrew lagers can. 
And if you need smaller, that's fine. That's just iteration and testing your recipe before you go to maybe three gallons, five gallons, 10 gallons. Um, but one gallon brewing is another small batch beer brewing trend that I'm seeing. And I think that's really helping people get more into the lager space as well. No, for sure. And I think, you know, like you said, in, in packaging and, um, you know, making technology more available to people, I think it's only going to continue to grow. That's, that's cool. The, um, that forging, I think, um, who, what brewery scratch? Yes. Um, brewery in, um, Illinois. Yeah. Um, I think they have a really good, uh, they came out with the homebrewers almanac was the book, right. That, that uh, they came out with that has a lot of the, you know, forging recipes or, or different ingredients and things like that. Sorry, that's that, yeah. that's there's, where I and there's, on that one. There's so many great resources. And speaking of books, um, Stan Hieronymus, who's an amazing um, beer educator on the homebrew side and pro side, uh, he authored uh, Brewing Local, right? And one of the yeah. most uh, robust things about that book to me is just being able to look up individual ingredients and see what their attributes might be in my beer. So brewing local and uh, eating local, um, spending local, it all fits. And so that foraging piece for me, I've, you know, within the past year, I've, I've foraged uh, choke cherries that organically grew in my backyard that I didn't even plant and juice them and and added them to a porter. I forage wild plums, which are one of my favorites, um, five minutes from my house and like literally the the, the local park um, <laughs> and added that to a Belgian golden um, strong ale. And Ooh. I just love adding things to my beers and then tweaking them and working with them uh, until I get the ratio right. When you add things like fruit, you're going to get more tannins, right? You're going to get an essence of more grippiness. That's why wine is 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 barrel aged. It's for the flavors and the tannins that come from that barrel. Well, skins on fruit will give you tannins. Will give you um, that uh, that more that girth that that uh, more little light, uh, um, little less light, little more gritty mouthfeel. And I actually like that in the balance of um, some of the beer styles that I make. So there's a lot of attributes. When you do work with um, what you forage, besides just the flavors that they bring to the table. Nice. Yeah. All the different textures. And, you know, that's awesome. I will definitely have to check out that book, Brewing Local. I like that. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I understand that tickets and registration are still available uh, for HomebrewCon this year. Um, so listeners, uh, get going on your fermentation vacation. And uh, the list of uh, speakers is incredibly impressive. So it definitely makes me wanna get out there myself. Um, Julia, thank you so much. Uh, I would encourage everyone to, you know, check out all the resources that are available. They are vast and free. So it is, it is just a really impressive amount of work that's been put into it. So Julia, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through it a little bit. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. And to your listeners, if you want to dive in more, um, yes, we have a lot of free resources and then membership to the national organization, the American Homebrewers Association, less than $50 a year. And you are plugged into everything. And, and we feel strongly that that membership pays itself back. 2000 plus discounts on member deals. Um, you're getting Zymergy Magazine. You get access to thousands of recipes um, that you can know are validated that are tied to often national homebrew competition gold medal award winners. 
So we've got it. We've, we've, we built it. And now we just want you to be a part of it and help even make us better as you remember and contribute over the years. Awesome. Well, listeners, this has been another episode of Beer Me Radio. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please reach out at Beer Me Radio on Instagram or beerme at gmail.com. We are available anywhere you get podcasts, so please like, subscribe, give all the stars, and we will catch you next time. Cheers. <laughs>